Welcome back in to First Draft as we are just nine weeks away from the start of the 2024 NFL Draft. He is Mel Kuyper Jr., the man who made this an industry, and I am Field Yates in the most poorly lit hotel room of all time here, Mel Kuyper. Can you even see me in this dim surrounding that I am currently doing a podcast from? Looking sharp. I like that tie. You TV ready, camera ready. That's looking yeah. good, Field. Well, you know, the truth is that, you know, some people might think that I'm dressed up because of the fact that we're going to have some TV's obligations later, Mel. But the truth is that I, I always dress up when you release a mock draft. So in honor of Mel Mock 2.0, which we're going to dive into today on the show, I had to get dressed up. Before we do that, a reminder, find First Draft wherever you get your podcast. Watch us live on uh, YouTube, 11 a.m. on Monday mornings. East Coast time, and then 2 p.m. also on the TV version, and then Mel's Mock 2.0 full special is available now on ESPN+. Plus. Kevin Agandi hosting with Mel, of course, the feature person in all of it, and then uh, Matt Miller and I joined to play a professor yesterday on that mock draft, which is part of what we're going to be doing right now. Mel, so how'd you feel from Mock 1.0? To mock 2.0 how did this one feel relative to the first one how did it feel it never feels perfect because you always leave a player or two out like adonai mitchell wide receiver texas i felt bad leaving him out and it's drake stroll jr cornerback missouri some people really like some are a little lukewarm so i left him out and there are a lot of receivers you could have put in there uh but certainly i think you look at teams i felt bad with the jets not having an offensive lineman uh i look at late first round some things that were that just didn't fall into place for some team needs you want to fill but you have to always stay step back and realize the draft isn't over after the first round. It's not the only pick teams are going to make. You can't say they have to have this guy. How many times have we sat there and we're discussing the pick in the first, say, 10, 15 picks field? We say, oh, they have to draft a defensive tackle. They have to draft yeah. a corner. And then Roger Goodell reads the pick, and it's not that. And they say, oh, okay, I can see why, because they didn't force it. They may not have yeah. liked that guy. They went with the highest guy on their board, right? So that's why you go through that exercise of ranking players so you don't have to reach for a guy just to fill a positional need area. And most of these yeah. teams have three, four positional need areas, and we're prior to free agency where positional need areas will open up that aren't there now. So for me, Field, it, it's fun to preview before the combine because then you say, okay, where was – the, what was the feeling of a lot of your friends in the NFL of these guys pre-combine and what happened yeah. post-combine when we're here talking on Monday? A great way of putting it all the way around, Mel. And, of course, it does include some influence from those around the league that are talking to us about their thoughts on prospects. So what we're going to do on this show is kind of take this five or six picks at a time, Mel, okay. with one exception, only because the first four picks are the same in terms of the prospects as the first four picks in Mach 1.0. Five is where things get interesting, but just to remind people that haven't read it already, one through four, the Bears take Caleb Williams, the Commanders take Jaden Daniels, and the Patriots take Drake May. Before the Cardinals take Marvin Harrison Jr., Mel kind of mirrors where you were at previously. I guess the question I have is, absent something completely unforeseen, do you feel like those four are kind of locked in the first four players that you expect to be have their name called on April 25th? I think those four players are in that three of the four, maybe not the four overall. That? You always have to wonder about, is the team going to trade out of there that we think yeah. is locked into a quarterback? It just so happens that the Bears at one, you know what they're going to do, either obviously trade the pick or trade Justin Fields. So that's a story that we'll, we'll know the answer to pretty soon. But does Washington love Jaden Daniels? I think that's the obvious pick. Drake may seems obvious to New England, but then you hear people say, well, you know, they may trade down. My thing is, you know, somebody's going to trade up. I was doing radio in New York this morning. 
There's a trade up from six to three to get Drake May, right? Yeah. Yep. Well, if the Giants are going to trade up from six to three to get Drake May, New England, Harris says they have to get a, a quarterback. I contend Mac Jones got no help. I went back to 2021, watched him. I had a few 21, 21 uh, New England games. So, you know, he was pretty yeah. good. He was a sure rookie. was. Yeah. yeah. He was at 68%, 22 touchdowns, 13 picks, led him to the playoffs. NFL had him as a player's ranked in like 85th on the top 100 board. Yeah. As a rookie field. Yeah. And all of a sudden he can't play anymore. Yeah. It's, uh, hard to, yeah. it's hard to play when you got nothing around you. Right. Consequence. Sure. I would say that like, I feel like two things can be true in this instance. I believe the Patriots should look to upgrade at the quarterback spot. I think Mac Jones is a player who needs like a very, very solid ecosystem around him to thrive. What he had back in 2021 with Josh McDaniels as his coordinator and that first year of all those free agents really making an impact in what was at the time a capable offensive line. So I think Mac Jones is a player the Patriots should look to upgrade on. I also agree with your contention though, which is that Mac Jones got no favors over the past two seasons between multiple coordinators or multiple play callers because Matt Patricia was technically not named the offensive coordinator, a dilapidated offensive line, a porous wide receiver room, very few quarterbacks other than the aliens at the top of the food chain would have really thrived in the way that Mac Jones did not over the past couple of seasons. I agree with that. Uh, but I still believe, Mel, just to get back to the one through four, that like, the first four players in the 2024 NFL draft, regardless of what the order is and who takes them, I believe will be Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Marvin Harrison Jr., unless something unforeseen happens, which leads us to pick number five, because I think the draft in some ways you can make the case begins with the Chargers on the clock at pick number five. And you're not a big social media guy, Mel. As a matter of fact, you're a zero social media guy. But the pick that I think probably generated the most conversation was J.C. Latham going fifth to the Chargers. Walk us through that pick, what he brings to the table, and whether you agree with your own mock draft in this case. Well, here's the thing, Field. I'm here in Baltimore. Who was okay. here in Baltimore not long ago? Joe Ortiz. Joe Ortiz, yep. What? Who did Joe Ortiz learn from? Eric DaCosta, Ozzie yep. Newsome. Yeah. John Harbaugh's here. Jim Harbaugh's his brother. Spent a lot of time. Yeah. Baltimore, Alabama players. I can read the list, right? Ozzie oh, Newsome, Alabama connection, Nick Saban, all that. J.C. Latham is the player that Jim Harbaugh, I think, is kind of looking at to say, if I want to be a physical team, I want to be able to run the ball. That was their trademark at Michigan, right? J.C. Latham is the right tackle who just destroys people at the line of scrimmage. He beats yeah. you up. He's like the heavyweight boxer, okay, who just beats you up. And as Lewis Riddick accurately pointed out yesterday, people will always go to that hiccup at the end of the game with Alabama, right, uh, with Michigan, Alabama game. They'll go to that one play. We always go to one play here or there with players. It doesn't define who they are. It doesn't define how they played in that game. Okay, that play went awry with the snap and all that different things. But at the end of the day, J.C. Latham had two outstanding years. He was the sixth highest rated player when I went to ESPN.com for their ratings board coming out of high school field. Of all the prospects that are in this draft, he's the highest rated guy. He was at six. A lot of those guys are going back for another year. Sure. He was at six. Highly rated coming out of the prep ranks. Played great football for Alabama. He fits what they want to do. Now, you don't have to take Joe Walt and move him to right tackle. Okay, J.C. Latham is a ready-made right tackle. Okay, right. so to me, for what they need, 
and who they want to be from an identity standpoint. He even referenced the powder blues. Well, don't get don't don't define us for that. We're going to prove that we can play in powder blue, but we can be tough in those powder blues. I love the powder blue uniform, best in the NFL. But the bottom line is they're going to be a physical team. You say, okay, could they take Malik Neighbors or Romo Dune? Say, sure they could. Could they take Brock mm. Bauer? Sure they could. But Greg Roman, yeah. remember, Greg Roman's the coordinator. Do you think yeah. they're going to do that? I think they're going to take an offensive lineman. I went with Latham overall because he's a ready-made right tackle. And the Alabama okay. connection, connection. I thought, I always try to think a little outside the box. Say, Joe Ortiz, Eric DaCosta, Ozzie Newsome, connect the dots. Alabama, there's one, J.C. Latham. Okay, so I disagree with it in the sense that he's not as high on my board as a fifth overall player. I've got him 16th in my always evolving but recently updated top 25, which, by the way, Mel, will become a top 50 before you know it. Like the player a lot. I would have made the argument for Joe Alt as I did in my first mock draft because while I understand that J.C. Latham is ready to start at right tackle right now and can be a heck of a player there, I think Joe Alt can also be that player at right tackle. I also think in the event, that Rashawn Slater ever went down, which a couple of seasons ago, he did miss all but two, I guess, two and a half games when he had a biceps injury. You'd have a left tackle sitting there waiting in the wings for you to kick back over to left tackle where Joe Walt has played for the past two plus seasons at Notre Dame. I just think there is so much flexibility that Joe Alt affords you. But I'm glad that we have both landed on the idea that some of the coach speak and the GM speak that you hear from the Chargers right now leads us to believe that as tantalizing as these wide receivers are, offensive tackle could be a premium spot in the eyes of them at pick number five overall. So let's get to number six through 10, Mel. And again, a lot of moving parts in every mock draft, but the Giants take Roma Dunze from Washington. The Titans take Joe Alt. So his, uh, his slide, if you want to call it one, is just a couple of spots there. Dallas Turner, same pick as last time, goes to the Atlanta Falcons. The Bears get Malik Neighbors at number nine, and the Jets get Brock Bowers at number 10. All right, so I don't think there's a lot, of, like, a lot of controversy in any of these picks here, Mel. Maybe just a placement of them. Six through nine, anything that stands out to you about those picks for the Giants, the Titans, the Falcons, or the Bears that you felt like you had to agonize over during the time that you were putting this mock draft together? Yeah, a couple of things. Kind of, you brought this up and we talked about it, the, the Penny Soul Jamar Chase. You know, you go, you need to protect Burrow. You got to take Penn A. Soul, right? Sure. Well, they took Jamar Chase. It worked out great for both teams, right? Detroit ends up getting Penn A. Soul, heck of a player. They get Chase, great player. The Giants, think about that. They, I think wide receiver has to be that pick. And we'll get to the team that has kind of that Cincinnati Bengal debate. The Giants have to take either neighbors or Odunes. I could have given either one to the Giants field. I didn't give it. I gave Odunes to the Giants because I like him a little better. I know you like neighbors a little bit better. I, Hold my friends in the league. They were 50-50 down the middle. Neighbors, yeah. Odunze. Who do you think the best receiver is after Marvin? Odunze. Neighbors. I went back. So I said, okay, I'll settle this. I'll go Odunze. And, and whoever you drop, you drop. I, I could have given the Tennessee. And I'll get to Tennessee. That's the Bengals of this year. Young yeah, quarterback, Will Levis. Injured at the end of last year. Beat up every game because they couldn't protect him. But he still did a heck of a job and showed Brian Callahan, that I'm your quarterback, right? Yep. They need a wide receiver. Traylon Burks has been a disappointment. D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins is not the same player he was. Still good, but not great, right? Needs speed. Yep. Needs somebody who can stretch it. Can you get, do you want Odunze, neighbors, whoever's left from the Giants, because one of them will be there, or do you want to take Joe Alt? That's where I gave them all, could have gone the Bengals route and given them the receiver. 
Then sure. you get to the Jets. I didn't have that player. Olu Fashanu, I didn't, I'd mixed opinion on. I could have, I gave him to the Jets in Mach 1.0, didn't give him to the Jets here. You could. I've heard mixed opinion. I went with the Same. better player and Brock Bowers. Now, what if J.C. Latham or Joe Walter there for the Jets? You mark it down. I think that's yeah. a that's that's the pick. Send the card in. Yeah. Right. Send it in. So I, that's why I didn't have the Jets forcing the offense to tackle. Instead, taking Bowers, who's not a tight end field. He's an everywhere on the field type of player to help Garrett Wilson and help Aaron Rodgers. Problem is, they don't have a second round pick. I get mm. that. Free agency. I think they will go there to try to help their offensive line. It's got to get a lot better. We know that. I just went with Bowers there thinking, okay, if the two tackles are gone, that's maybe the direction they will go. All right, so I'm going to go with the offensive line once again when I put my mock 2.0 out, Mel, unless the Jets somehow fill both offensive tackle spots in free agency. And that, to me, is why I lean towards tackle still, is that the Jets could, could find a free agent tackle at some point over the next three weeks and pay that player enough money that tells us he is a guaranteed starter. I'm just worrisome. I'm worried about the the idea that the Jets um, would have two vacant tackle spots going into the draft and not use the best resource they own, that 10th overall pick, to fill one of those gaps. If they haven't done major work in free agency, you can borderline etch it in stone that the Jets are going to be taking a tackle at number 10 overall. You and I have talked about this dynamic as well, is that while we can't simply draft for need in the NFL draft, I don't know that any team is under more pressure to draft for need than the Jets right now because their quarterback will turn 41 in December, is coming off of a pop to Achilles, and the idea for the Jets is not to be better than last year, Mel. It's to compete for a championship as soon as this season. I'll give you a new mock. I'll give you a new mock. This is my mock 2.0A. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's go go Joe Alt. Let's go your feeling. Joe Alt to the Chargers. Yep. Okay. That takes Latham out of there, right? Let's go to Tennessee, Malik Neighbors. Okay. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go to Chicago, Brock Bowers, right? You you got Komet, but Brock Bowers isn't a tight end. You move him all around. Let's go. They got two good tackles. Then who we have the Jets? JC Latham. Yeah. So that's my new mock. A plus mock. Go all to the Chargers, Neighbors to Tennessee, Bowers to Chicago, Latham to the Jets. Let's go to number pick number 11. We just did a new yeah. 2.0-A, whatever you want to call it. 2.0-A, the first ever in the history of ESPN. I want to make sure at some point we have the chance to discuss kind of like stuff that we're hearing, little kernels here and there, Mel, because some of the stuff is big and notable. Some of it's just like, as an example, Olu Fashionu, a player that we thought coming into the season might be a consensus top five pick. And I don't think anybody is very, very down in Olu Fashionu, but maybe the range is a little bit lower than we anticipated coming into the year, maybe even midway through the season. Maybe he's more like a top 15 pick as opposed to a consensus top five pick. But let's go to 11 through 16. We'll get through 16 so we can be halfway through the draft. It goes as follows. The Vikings take Jared Verse from Florida State. The Broncos take J.J. McCarthy, quarterback from Michigan. The Raiders take Byron Murphy II from Texas. The Saints take the aforementioned Olu Fashionu. The Colts take Terrian Arnold from Alabama. And then the Seahawks keep it locals. They draft Troy Fautanu, the guard slash offensive tackle in college, but probably a guard at the pros from Washington. We have to start with J.J. McCarthy in Denver, Mel. Um, am I crazy for thinking that now it kind of feels like the floor for J.J. McCarthy is pick 12? You know, it does a little feel because if you get past there and Seattle doesn't look for the heir apparent to Gino, where are you going? 
where are you going to put a quarterback unless they trade back in? Baker's back in Tampa Bay. I mean, it's, it's just not any opportunities there to put a quarterback. Denver makes sense to me. You think about Sean Payton in that division. You think about where we are in the AFC. Where are they going to go for quarterback? Russell Wilson's yeah. not going to be back. Who's Denver's quarterback going to be? Now, they could try to trade up. Good luck on that. If they sit where they are, maybe McCarthy's gone. You're talking about – let me ask you this, Phil. Where does he go if he didn't go to Denver? I, before that or after that, you're saying? Before it. Atlanta at number eight, only because Atlanta has been so transparent. So where does Justin need, Fields go? Uh, Pittsburgh in this scenario, right? Or not Atlanta is what I'm saying. You're right. So if Atlanta goes, so this is what I'm saying is like only one team is going to get Justin Fields. And I think that if you're the Falcons and you don't get Justin Fields, the next best option in their eyes might be JJ McCarthy. It might be. Yeah. I, I just think the, the Falcons are so ready to make a move. I mean, after getting yeah. hits, London and Bijan, right? Yep. And now you go in with a 21, a just turned 21 year old quarterback who has not yet carried a team on his shoulders. Now he's in the National Football League, and at times you're going to have to do that. A lot of times you have to do that. How difficult is that going to be as opposed to Justin Fields? Local product, high school in Georgia, goes to Georgia and Ohio. I think Fields makes more sense to me, Field. What I did, though, just for full transparency here, we talk about our, our our mock dress and how we – I made a change. I called Dane Beavers, my guy at ESPN.com, right? Called Dane. Okay. I got a change I need to make. This is Monday. Would you go? We okay to yep. make this change? Oh, good to go. I said, okay, you know change I made? I'll let everybody know. I made a, a, a tweak to my my 2.0. At 11, instead of Terry and Arnold, cornerback Alabama, I went with Jared Verse. There you because go. Of, you talked me out of this one. Because of Daniel Hunter – and all that. I had I had Arnold. I went to verse. That meant that I had to do something at 15 because I had uh Quinion Mitchell there. Okay. Yeah. To Indianapolis. I put Terran Arnold to Indianapolis instead of Quinion Mitchell. This is all because of Jacksonville at 17. Mm. Did my due diligence field, yep. making my yeah, calls. I, I had a guy say, eh, Jacksonville's going to maybe look corner more than defensive end because they already have Trayvon Walker, who had double-digit sacks, made a lot of improvement, got, got a lot better, right? Was finishing yep. a lot more than he did his rookie year. Josh yep. Allen getting off, off the edge, outstanding. Cornerback's an issue. Got a new coordinator. You're thinking, okay, corner. So I went Quinion Mitchell instead of Jared mm -hmm. Verse. So I want to get okay. Verse out of Jacksonville. Made yeah. sense to put him at Minnesota because of Hunter and they need a pass rusher. So I went verse Arnold uh, Mitchell instead of Arnold Mitchell verse to those three teams. So those three teams changed at the end. I feel really good about the change there. Any pro what what scenario do you like better? The one I changed or the one I went with? Um, I like the one that you went with because on Monday's mini mock draft, when we were doing this exact exercise, I picked Jared Verse for the Vikings, and then you immediately told me you're crazy with Tara and Arnold still on the board. You talked me out of it. So my initial instinct aligns with how you concluded this mock draft with Jared Verse. Uh, it's going to be a good week here for Jared Verse, Mel, because he is, as you know, this guy is not just a player that looks the part, he is the part, right? Very physically imposing player, very physically gifted player, plays a premium position. And I'll say this about the Vikings. Uh, their GM, Quasi Adolfo Mensa, was asked about age and prospects a couple of days ago at the Combine. And he was talking about how it's kind of a unique dynamic, especially with players now having the COVID year, a lot of older prospects. Very high on the totem pole in the Minnesota front office is Ryan Grigson, old school football guy, of course, the former Colts GM. 
I think he's more interested in guys that can play, a little bit less concerned about the age. I wouldn't be surprised if Jared Verse, uh, he will not be who I end up mocking in mock 2.0s. I have a new player that I'm going to be mocking, which I'll reveal in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. But Verse, very much in play because Daniil Hunter and DJ Wanham scheduled to become free agents. Yep. All right, so do we have to uh, we have to go back to uh, the JJ McCarthy thing? Um, he at twelve, you and I both agree this, Mel. I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth here, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's a reach relative to my right. board. Twenty seventh on my big board right now, JJ McCarthy. However, Mel, it's also a justifiable reach for this reason. If you're the Denver Broncos, you're moving on from Russell Wilson. That much we know, or at least we assume. Mm -hmm. Who is the player that you can acquire? that you can upgrade at the quarterback spot over Jared Stidham, who would be the leftover quarterback once Russ is released. The options are scant, right? Justin Fields can only go to one team, and so far we haven't heard any dot connecting of Justin Fields to Denver. Moreover, the Denver Broncos are equipped with a total of six picks this year. Six picks and no second-round pick. So if you don't take a quarterback at 12, Mel, he ain't going to be there at pick 75 or whatever that third round pick would be that you presently own so the broncos are kind of backed into a corner and i think somebody else would come and swoop in and take jj mccarthy because they're right after minnesota right before the raiders there are enough teams pittsburgh included the pick 20 that you're saying to yourself they're in the quarterback market we can't wait around i think that jj mccarthy's floor is now pick 12 even if i don't agree with it by overall value it's only it's only positional value. If I'm at 23 on J.J. McCarthy, you say you're at 27. I can't take a 23rd guy on my board at 12 because at 12, I will always believe you got to get somebody inside your top 10 because all the ratings are, are different. So if you're picking at 12, I got my sixth best player. I got my seventh best player. I hear it all the time, right? If you're being truthful, I don't know. Sometimes they do revisionist history with their ratings, but that's what you always hear. You don't want to have to pick 12 and get the 23rd player or the 27th player. You say, well, it's a quarterback. It's positional value. It's the, the yeah. most important position in any sport is quarterback in the National Football League. I get yeah. all that. But when you rank these players' field, it protects you against overdrafting a player. Totally. Okay? It, yeah. And that's why you do it. This is overdrafting a quarterback, which is not – and I, I, it's been pointed out time and time again. You said it. Everybody said it. We talked about it. I go back to all the Jake Lockers and Ponders and – uh, you know, um, EJ Manuels, and you go on and on with this list. Of guys. You rank them for a reason, okay? And that's what protects you against doing exactly what we're talking about maybe teams doing with J.J. McCarthy. Now, if Minnesota or, or say, Denver, whoever it may be, Atlanta at eight, has him way up there right behind Drake May at four on their board or ahead of Drake May, I get it. You take him. Yeah. If they have him at 23 yeah. like I do or 27 like you do, you cannot make that move. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yeah, you can't do it. I mean, I, again, I, I feel that same way. You can't overdraft that much, but I do think the end result would be the J.J. McCarthy goes a lot higher than most people currently think. Right. All right, let's move to the next uh, handful of picks here, Mel. And again, uh, the entire mock draft is available on ESPN.com right now. You mentioned the Jaguars at 17, taking Quinion Mitchell, cornerback from Toledo, was terrific at the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to fly this week at the Combine as well. The Bengals take Talisi Talisi Fuaga, offensive tackle from Oregon State. I want to ask about him. Rams go cornerback Cooper DeGene, 19. Steelers go Nate Wiggins, cornerback at pick 20. And then we round out 21, Graham Barton, the center slash left tackle slash maybe all five offensive line position from Duke. Here's what I wanted to ask you about these five here, Mel. I want to see if you agree with me or not. I've come to this conclusion on the cornerback class. I think that Taryn Arnold is and will be, is the best cornerback in this year's class and will be drafted as such. I think the next four cornerbacks are interchangeable. It's a matter of what you like the most. You've got Quinion Mitchell from Toledo. You've got Nate Wiggins from Clemson. You've got, as you have in your mock, Cooper DeGene from Iowa. And you've got Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri. Each of them is a slightly different player. My grades on all of them are fairly similar. As a matter of fact, on the big board right now, Mel, which you know obviously can change at any moment, but right now, the big board, the gap between Quinion Mitchell, who's my cornerback two, and Cooper DeGene, who is cornerback five, is a total of six spots. 19th for Mitchell, 25th for DeGene. Do you think it's that close as far as these corners are concerned, or do you see more clarity between each of them? Well, it depends how you view Cooper DeGene. I think he's a corner. I think he could be a safety. I love his instincts. I love the awareness he shows. This kid is so smart on the football field, just the way he plays. He's always planning ahead. He's always seeing things. We talk about vision of a quarterback, right? Seeing the field. This is a guy who I think has that sixth sense about what's going on. Now he's got the returnability. They did pretty good. The Rams did with another Cooper on the offensive side of the ball. I just think Cooper DeGene makes sense there. I think when you look at where we are right now with Nate Wiggins, mixed opinion there. I had teams say second round on Nate Wiggins. I had others say mm-hmm. lock first on Nate Wiggins. Uh, Nate yeah. Wiggins improved during his career at Clemson. He got a lot better. He has the length. I thought for Pittsburgh, I was going to go Graham Barton. Over, over Jackson Powers Johnson, who was mixed opinion on the center at Oregon. Some think he could yeah. be a first, second. I hadn't graded as a two. Did I jump into the first? I did not. So, But I think Graham Barton played left tackle with Duke, center early on, can play anywhere for Miami, made a lot of sense. He also makes sense for Pittsburgh. They got a hole at that center position. They historically feel, historically, from Mike Webster on all the way up, Center has been a critical piece of the equation. They've always landed that guy. They weren't afraid to do it early. To me, I think when you look at where we are right now with Graham Barton, it's either Pittsburgh or Miami. I went Pittsburgh corner, took Joey Porter Jr. last year, top pick of the second round. I think they got to go back to it. You're in the AFC. Hmm. You're in a division with Burrow and Watson and Lamar. 
with Mahomes and Allen and all these great quarterbacks, you got to cover. I thought Wiggins made sense there. I went Barton to Miami. Yeah, not not only that, Mel, but they're one of the few teams that has the front end of it figured out, right? Like Pittsburgh, you know the pass rush is going to be great. You have, I don't want to argue Miles Garrett versus uh, TJ Watt right now, but you know, you've got one of the best two pass rushers alive in TJ Watt. Alex Highsmith has blossomed into a star and a very well-paid one at that as well, that if ever there was a team that can afford to say, hey, if we just get a couple more corners, we're, we're one piece away from an elite defense, or at least a trending up defense. Pittsburgh is certainly on that short list. Uh, so that's 16 through 21 right there. The only other player I wanted to ask you about, now, and I'm just going to throw my hands up here. Talisi Fuaga, offensive tackle, Oregon State. I think he's a first-round lock. Not debating that. I think 18 is about right. There are people that I respect who think he's an even better player than that. Where have you landed on Fuaga? Because I see the power. I mean, this is an overwhelmingly powerful player. He is a massive man. He is a mountain. He is a rocky mountain out there in Corvallis, Oregon. Is the foot quickness and the athleticism overall like quite at the level that you could see him being like a top 10 or so player in this year's class? I never saw that field. I put him in. I remember I had him in the uh, top 25 and I had people saying, you know, why did you do that? It's based on what I saw. I, all the ratings yeah. are what you saw of Huaga, and I liked it. I, that I think he was in a class with the alts and even, even Olu. And I'll, I'll go to Olu. Olu's got talent. Olu needs to be keep continuing to improve and keep getting coaching. He's still very young. I watched him play high school football with Caleb Williams. You think about where we are right now with Latham, like the player, but he's a right tackle, not a left tackle, but he's a great right tackle. I think with Fuaga, he has a heck of a right tackle. He's right there with Latham. So, yeah, I, I think that for me is a positional need area that falls. Sometimes you know, when you're in the first round and you have a need area and you don't want to force it, sometimes it just falls perfectly. I think it fell perfectly for Fawaga to Cincinnati. I think that's where yeah, he no. belongs. I didn't have him much higher. I thought that's where he belongs. I think when you look at where we are with this whole mock first round in terms of these players, Troy Fatanu is a guy – now, I'll give a couple mixed opinions on guys in a second. There's one corner I want to get to in a minute. But Fatanu, something can be a left tackle. Yeah. Okay? I think he's going to be a great guard. Zach Barton was a heck of a left tackle at Notre Dame, became a great guard with the Cowboys. Fatanu for Seattle, needing that guy at that spot, it fell right. If somebody thinks he can be a left tackle, Fatanu, I wouldn't be shocked if he opened. I heard this, and this is what you do. You talk to your friends in the league. If he goes in the top 10 to 12, would not shock me. When you, you – yeah, we, we talked, right? I, I, I uh, know that we talked about it before Mock, or maybe right after Mock 1.0, is I told you the, the butterfly effect of pick nine was where my Mock got more difficult for me because I was debating between Leatu Latu and Tripathano with pick number nine because uh, maybe he's not a left tackle at the NFL level, but I think he has Pro Bowl level guard ability. Uh, and God, is that spirit of that kid fun to play oh, with. Like, I guarantee you. Yeah, he, he just it's, it's it's infectious. Like I guarantee he's the proverbial, you know, he's the guy that you want to have on your roster when times get tough because uh it's clear how much energy he brings to the table every single time he is on the field. Um, Let me just say we'll this field real quick. Uh, a couple no, go for it. Yeah. <clears throat> Ennis Rakestraw Jr. Yeah. All right, let's do this one. Yeah. There's a mixed opinion on him. I kept him out of yeah. the first. I had guys saying, ah, you know, I don't know about the first round for Ennis Rakestraw Jr. And it became multiple. And as I kept hearing that, what am I, am I missing something? I think he, I had him as a two. 
Then I said, okay, now I'm almost was talked into the one. I know what he is. Yeah. I, I watched him play with Chris a Abrams, Drain, all, with the Missouri and Darius Robinson and Hopper. I think all these players are going to be in the NFL, right? Yep. Is he a first? There's debate on that. Latu, okay? I dropped him down to Philadelphia. You were talking about him up at nine. I don't see him going up that high with the injury question. I know he says, hey, everybody thinks I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good to go. Hope he is. But it's still a concern in terms of how high you want to take him. You could argue he's the best defensive player in this draft. I get that. I dropped him down to the Eagles. So I think we're a little – where we differ is Latu, where he'll go. I have him down to Philadelphia. Rake Straw Jr. as well, a little yeah. bit of a difference there. And another corner in the late first round they'll get to in a second. But also another offensive tackle, speaking about Fatanu, is Roger Rosengarten from Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Name comes up. Had he gone – and I was shocked he came out. I thought he was going to yeah. go back. Same, yeah. He didn't. Had he gone back as a right tackle, he could have been this year's J.C. Latham. He could have been a guy mm. coming up for next year, could have been in that first-round discussion. I think he goes second round, at worst third round, but I think Roger Rosen, people are going to go to the national title game and say, really, did you watch that game? He struggled. One game again. One game again. Yep. So, again, <laughs> Roger Rosengarten, if you don't get the tackle in a first, Maybe he's a second. At worst, he's an early third. He's a name that's generating some momentum now, I think, going through the process. So people kind of rode off and said, ah, he was going to stay, then he came out, but he had that a poor finish. Roger Rosengarten had a good year overall, opposite Fatana, who was the left tackle. He's going to go second round, at worst, early third. Totally agree. I think he's a day-two lock. I think he is absolutely a day-two pick, is Roger Rosengarten, who, you're right, I mean, that, that national championship game is alarming, but that Michigan defense was the best in college football by a mile. They've got... You know, the entire defensive line is going to be drafted pretty much other than Mason Graham will be a first-round pick a year from now, Mel. So the talent was ridiculous there. I thought he hit a stride towards, like, the Pac-12 championship game. He's just so steady and reliable. One game does not define a player. Let's get back to the mock draft, though. Uh, you mentioned a couple of players. Uh, at 21, we mentioned Graham Barton, but you mentioned Leao Tulatu. You had to go to the Eagles at 22. The Texans take Tyler Guyton at 23. Number 24 is the Cowboys going with Marius Mims. Talk about a player who the opinions are kind of all over the place, right, Mel? Jordan Morgan goes 25 to the Packers, and then 26 is Keon Coleman. All right, there's a lot of ways we can go, Mel, but before we move on to the next set of picks, even if we have to do it at the end, I want to do my Keon Coleman thing, but what was the hardest part of these five or six picks that you had to make right there? Dallas, because of Tyron Smith still playing really good football, is he going to be back? You know, Jordan yeah. Morgan, because he could be a guard more than a left tackle, but I like what he did for them. He had a couple hiccups along the way. We know they all do. You can't define a player based on one game or one matchup. So I think Jordan Morgan, I really liked him. Plus, he's going to be a couple years removed from the injury moving forward into yep. the NFL next year. I like Jordan Morgan to, to uh, Green Bay needing that left tackle, that pure left tackle. Mims, there's questions because they wish he would have played more. You know, he yeah. wasn't going to be Broderick Jones and going to top 15, top 10 because he didn't play enough. Amarius yeah. Mims with the injury, they would have liked to have seen another full year of Amarius Mims. You draft him based on potential and what your offensive line coach can do with a kid with that kind of talent. Keon Coleman, all over the place. And we know what he does in contested situations. We know with a, a guy who can, has great hand-eye coordination, go get the football, red zone guy, had some quiet games where they didn't – Target him enough, had a couple drops late, but a heck of a player. Everybody is saying speed. And, I, and you don't want to yeah. overrate speed in terms of the combine. Okay. A lot of times it takes you in the wrong direction. He, if he runs four five, is a first rounder. If he runs four five eight, 
He's a second rounder. That's what the talk is. Keon Coleman's speed at the four, the 40 yard dash time at the combine will define where Keon Coleman goes. So that's going to be huge for him. Uh, in terms of the other guys, like I said, we can get to a lot too. I think for the Eagles, they always like guys like that. They, they talk about in the trenches, pass rush or O line. Yep. That's the direction I think they would go if if Latu does fall down that far in the first round. All right, so I'm going to do my Keon Coleman thing because I feel like I've talked about Latu Latu a bunch. You're absolutely right. I hear the same thing all the time. The 40 time this week is going to define what happens with Keon Coleman specific to his draft stock. If he runs. He's not going to run a four four two. But if you're in a four four two, Mel, we'd be talking about him as a top fifteen player in the class. Top fifteen. So I get it. Speed matters. It's a differentiator. Certainly, it's a faster league than ever. We are seeing these mutant type athletes uh, pop up more and more left and right. But before the speed thing came up, every time I put on Keon Coleman's tape this past year, I thought to myself, "What is there not to love about this kid?" Beyond the size, the catch radius is ridiculous. Terrific in the red zone. Talk about competitive. That kid is one of the most competitive players in the entire class. And yes, physical abilities certainly have a large role and influence on what kind of player you become at the NFL. But I would bet on the football character and the overall character, for that matter, of Keon Coleman, a guy who I know he's got the physical profile of like a perimeter wide receiver that doesn't never comes anywhere close to the punt return team. He was returning punts though, Mel, for Florida State just a season ago. Like he's got some wiggle to him. He's got some twitch. I think I'm gonna like I'm going to plant my flag on Keon Coleman Mountain and be okay with it. If he ends up going in the second round, I'll look at it as one of the great values in the entire class. I just love the player. I don't think I'm gonna fall into the trap if he runs a four five eight of saying I'm off the Keon Coleman scent. I. I feel strongly about that one, and maybe I'll end up getting burned in the end. Um, but you got to have guys you love, right, Mel? I've learned that from you in this process already, and I love myself some Keon Coleman. So there's the I, end of I, my Keon Coleman rant. Yeah, and I think that when you look at these receivers, you, have, you know who the top three are. The next three are a little bit tricky. Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas Jr., then you get into Xavier Worthy, Texas, whether you get to Adonai Mitchell, Texas. I love Malachi Corley at Western Kentucky. Xavier Little gets another one. Lad McConkey. list goes, we're going to have a ton of, of second-round receivers. Yeah. We had, what, six in 2022 went in the first round field. Yep, Seven yep. went in the second round. Some good ones like Khalil Shakir went in the fifth. Remember, Bo Melton yep. even went in the seventh that year. So 2022, yeah. six ones. That was the year when it was London. It was London, Garrett Wilson, Olave, that group, right? Second yep. rounders, Christian Watson in that group. Now, like I said, we had some guys like the Shakir. Dubs went in the fourth, I believe. Shakir went in the fifth. Melton went in the, in the seventh. Uh, I think when you look at this year's draft, it's going to be that way. Six ones a host of second rounders and some really good ones that go in that third to seventh round are going to slip through the cracks. Okay. So there's going to be some really, and I got a couple underrated guys. We're going to get back to some underrated guys in the not too distant future. I got a couple that I think would fall into that category at the slot and wide receiver position who also have punt return ability. Some of these guys, which adds to their value. This podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm just sitting here looking at my wide receiver big board right now and wondering who is Mel taking for my guys that are maybe like fifth round and beyond, maybe even fourth round and beyond. But it is crazy to think how deep this wide receiver class is. All right. Ripping through the last half dozen picks in your most recent mock 2.0 came out on ESPN.com yesterday. 27, the Cardinals from the Texans take Darius Robinson, defensive lineman from Missouri. 28, the Bills go with Brian Thomas Jr., speedy, big-bodied wide receiver from LSU. Here's where things get fun. The Lions at 29 take TJ Tampa, cornerback from Iowa State. The Ravens take another cornerback, Kamari Lassiter from Georgia. At 31, the 49ers take pass rusher Chop Robinson. Keep in mind Chase Young, uh, Brandy Gregory, both, uh, I would say, questionable to return to San Francisco this upcoming year. And then finally, the Chiefs, Xavier Worthy, wide receiver from Texas, all kinds of speed there. The name that, of course, catches a lot of people's eyes, Mel, is TJ Tampa, not because I disagree with it, but because first time we've talked about him in the back end of your first round. Give us the rundown on what TJ Tampa brings to the table for those not familiar with the Iowa State corner. Well, let's not question an Iowa State player. It goes a little later than maybe people think. Yeah, we, I was going to say, we learned our lesson, right? Iowa State that are playing in the NFL, from Brees Hall to Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, and a lot of guys along the way. Will McDonald uh, went in the first round, mid-first round to the Jets last year. But for TJ Tampa, a kid who has really developed in that program, and I thought put together, when you talk about breaking up passes, he's got length. He's a kid who just loves to play the game. The coaches rave about this kid's work ethic and his passion. The players, how businesslike he is in his approach. The consistency week in and week out impressed me. He is a guy just kept popping and popping and popping for me. Now, obviously, how he's going to test. Test numbers for TJ Tampa will determine where he goes. I think he gets in. To me, as a player, I think he was better than some of those guys that we have projected higher. I met yeah. if he, if, I'll tell you what, Field, if TJ Tampa tests really well at the combine pro day, I think he goes up higher than that. I think now. he gets into that 20 range. I think that's where he ends up. So TJ, at, at worst, second round. And if he does fall in the second round, he's going to be a heck of a corner for somebody. I, I, I just, I, there's not, I don't see what people wouldn't like about him. I, so I always try to say, where's the hole? Where's the yeah. question? Where's the concern? Tell me, Field, where's the red flag on TJ Tampa? Well, before I get to any sort of red flag, Mel, I'm going to burst your bubble here. Because as we are doing this show, as we are recording this edition of the First Draft Podcast, available, of course, on YouTube as well, TJ Tampa, at his podium interview, said he's not going to be doing testing this week because of a little hamstring injury that he suffered recently. So um, we will not get those numbers that you're looking for. It sounds like he will be available during his pro day, which uh, I don't know exactly when that is, Mel. but as far as the major flaw, I don't know, man. I mean, by the way, on top of everything you said, the length, I mean, the length's so unique, right? I mean, he's the longest corner in the class, at least amongst the guys that are in this category. He was constantly involved in the running game, 
right? I mean, he's a two-phase cornerback. Every single time you put on the Iowa State tape, he's making plays, setting the edge, contributing. He's a, he's a willing run defender, which uh, there are some great cornerbacks in this class that are not at uh, they're not like that, right? They just have less interest than an Ennis Rakestraw or a TJ Tampa. Um, I will say this about the the Lions too: if they take a corner, which I think you and I very much agree they need to, that player better have an edge to him. If we've learned one thing about Brad Holmes and how he's going to draft. He wants the guys that have the edge. Uh, he had a chance to draft Christian Gonzalez a year ago at uh, pick six. He ended up moving back uh, and took Jameer Gibbs at pick 12. I'm not trying to debate uh, what was right or what was wrong, but um, the billing on Christian Gonzalez was that unbelievably fluid corner could cover anybody the minute he walks into the NFL, but not going to bring that sort of edge-setting, tone-setting mentality that a Devin Witherspoon would, which he went fifth overall to the Seahawks. Um, and I think you got to have some edge if you're going to be a lion. But TJ Tampa would bring that edge, very physical in the running game. I wanted to ask you about Kamari Lasseter, 30 to the Ravens. Again, no surprise there. They were thin at cornerback last season. They got safeties who converted the corner. They've got guys like Ronald Darby off the scrap heap. Uh, Kamari Lasseter is a very, very interesting prospect, Mel. Um, at some point, I think there's got to be like kind of a line of demarcation between that t- top tier of corners. How big is the gap? And we were talking about how narrow the gap is earlier on those corners two through five. Once we get past a Cooper DeGene or whoever you view as cornerback five, is it a big leap before we get to Kamari Lasseter and TJ Tampa, or are those guys kind of nipping on the heels as well? I think they're right there, Field. Uh, like I said, and then in terms of working out, TJ Tampa, you know, if you say, I got to be a, he needs to nail this. This is the yep. one thing you can't be 80%. So it's a smart move. Wait till you're 100% because everybody's kind of worrying about it, not going to worry about it. They want to see, they want that sure. defined measurable, that defined to say, uh, you know, 40 to say, we can say, def- pound that table, say, this is our guy. So for TJ Tampa, if you're not hundred percent, wait till your pro day. Don't force sure. it at the combine. I get that. Kamari Lasseter, same thing field that we're talking about with TJ Tampa. Good football player. I love his yeah. feisty approach. Feisty, I mean, yeah. He is, a, he is all, he was glued to receivers and he turns at the right time. He didn't get it too handsy. He is a guy to me plays good football week in and week out. Liked his performance. Now, what is he going to run? Is he going to run it at Indy? We'll see. Uh, after what happened, you just said with TJ Tampa, I'm just going to say wherever he runs into your pro day, Kamari Lasseter's 40 time will define whether he goes where I have him going, where to Baltimore, maybe a little higher. I almost went with to the Baltimore Ravens, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Kool-Aid mm. McKinstry, mixed opinion on him. Yeah. I yeah. think more of a second round pick. Baltimore likes Alabama players. Okay. I almost did that, but I'm going to say second round for, I'm going to maintain what I've said all along. Kool-Aid McKentry, second round. Kamari yeah. Lasseter to me played like a first rounder. If he runs a 40, that keeps him in that range and, and, and shows that, hey, he's just not a guy who plays well, but he has that recovery ability to keep up. Fine. Length is important for corners. Why field? Because we say, if you get that fingertip on a ball, the length is going to determine it. Short arm corners that don't have great length are not going to go. So the length yeah. of a corner, TJ Tampa looks like an NFL corner, plays like an NFL corner. I was told years ago, you can't play with 10 men. I, I coaches say, forget the 10 men corner. That means yeah. that an 11th guy, it won't tackle because it's a bubble screen. That's short. I, I, got, I had a laugh when I heard, I, I think it was different quarterbacks say, well, the game, you don't see quarterbacks doing things. They're throwing all these bubble screens and they don't have the concept. What, what's the NFL field? The yeah. NFL isn't what it used to be either. 
The NFL totally, is all yeah. about space, getting the ball out. Heck, a lot of these these these, uh, these throws are gimmies. They're layups, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So we go, a guy goes eight for eight. Who cares? Okay. Who cares? When it started a game eight for eight, I'd rather have a guy three for eight but makes a play down the field. But the bottom line is that's what the NFL is. So for me, length is so important. You're beaten. You can recover. You can get that fingertip on a ball that you know guy didn't have the uh, the length wouldn't do. So for me, TJ Tampa, Kamari Lasseter are first round deserving football players. Yeah, I, Mel, well said. It's you know, that what well, the reality of that though, Mel, is that they're going to be guys that end up dropping out of the first round in your mock as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a very sort of fine line. Okay, there's not 32 first round grades in the sense that. These are players that every single year would go in the first round. Like, I don't care if it's 2024 or 2004 or 1974. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a first-round pick every single one of those years, right? Guys like Kamari Lasseter, maybe in different years, may not necessarily be viewed as, like, lock it in first-round picks. But there's also a category of players that I think would be no surprise if they went in the first round. And my number of players that would not surprise me if they go in the first round is closer to like 38 or 40 than it is 32. So they're going to be some guys who are really good players that won't go in the first round, not because I don't see it with them now, but just because there's only 32 first round selections. Guys like Jackson Powers Johnson in your most recent mock, you know, I think you like him a lot, obviously. He's a terrific player. He could be a 10-year starter at center or guard, but there's only 32 total selections. Uh, do you want to, I don't know, take yourself off the hook? Are there a couple of guys besides Rakestraw or JPJ that you thought long and hard about that you said, I just wish I had space for them in the mock? Yeah, there really are a few. Kansas City, to me, I, I went with Xavier Worley because you, you have Rasheed Rice, right? Yep. You need somebody like the space guy and the deep threat and a guy like Worley who's so excited. Now, he had some drops he improved on that. Remember he had the, that broken hand he played through two years ago? Yeah. And people say he was dropping balls, healthy this year. But Adonai Mitchell, you know, with his size and the way he catches the football, I, you know, it was Adonai Mitchell. I like Malachi Corley a lot. I think people are going to look back five, six, seven years field. Why didn't we take that kid in the first round? The Malachi sure. Corley is a second rounder like I think he will be. Now, I, I hate comps, but everybody says Debo Samuel because he's 220 and he's so physical. He gets his hands on him. You give him a bubble screen, he will run through you. Defenders Amen. better watch. You better bring it, corners. Say, you better bring your A game if you want to try to tackle this guy, Field. Malachi Corley totally. is a beast, okay? He's a beast. And to me, when you get him in the second round, you're going to get better a better player than some of those guys at the same position, maybe going the first. Brian Thomas Jr., I love the potential. Would have liked to see him do it more than the one year, you know, say 17-yard average per catch, 17 touchdowns, what have you. Brian Thomas Jr., late first, is going to be a good pick if he does get that far down the line. I debated with you. You were right on that field because when I talked to people in the league, Brian Thomas Jr., I thought he'd be more of a mid-first. He's being pushed into the late first based on what we hear. You were ahead of the game there. Total credit field on that one on Brian Thomas Jr. I just felt like Xavier Worthy, I like the player, like his attitude. Sark raves about him as well. I think for what Kansas City needs, what they want, I think he fits the bill. But I I do think, like I said, Malachi Corley, it wouldn't be a Kuiper stunt. As Todd, Todd, Todd would say, field the the Kuiper stunt. I, yeah. I think that Malachi Corley. If you say who did I want to put in that I didn't, it was him. There are so I I, I am not going to. We're going to reserve the right to change our minds, and I think none more so than wide receivers this week, Mel, because if Brian Thomas 
runs like a 4-3-8, it's going to be hard for him to last too long in the first round, right? Like that's the reality of this week in Indianapolis is that guys can make appreciable jumps. Sometimes Darius Hayward guys. Bay came out of Maryland. Uh, never forget, Top of course, seventh overall pick. He ran at yeah. forty-yard yep. dash, right? But, so, yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, forty-yard dash, straight line speed. Be careful, yep. everybody. Be careful. We talk about yep. Keon Coleman. You said it. He's a heck of a player. What are you worrying about? But that's going to keep him. But don't try to say, okay, I'm going to like him if he runs a great forty. Yeah. If you yeah, say yeah, yeah. I'm going to all of a sudden love him if he runs, then you should not draft him. Because if that's right. going to be the defining part to say, I in order for me to draft this guy, he's got to go. I'm saying what you hear in the league is what I'm saying about if, if he does this, if he does that. For me, I'm not worried about 40-yard dash time. Now, I, the most important thing for me at the Combine, the interviews, which we're not part of, yep. right? That's big. The medical, which we'll get those, those results. We'll hear about all the medical. The biggest thing for me is arm length. Arm length yeah. for point defensive backs, for linebackers, sure. for defensive yeah. linemen, for offensive linemen, for wide receivers. The only position, quarterback, running back, outside field, every position, arm length just about, is so important. I went back and I did my study. 40 years, arm length field is so important, so critical. More so now in the NFL because it's kind of a 7-on-7 seven seven thing where you're throwing it all over the yard. We talk about that fingertip. Offensive line, defense line, it's always been critical. But arm length to me is, is the one quality that I look for and the one number that I look for when I look at that list. You know, that's going to Patrick Paul, the tackle from Houston, what's 36? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Coach him up. I get his technique improved. Patrick Paul was another guy I thought about in the late first round. So n- names that are on the other side of that coin mill, Johnny Newton from Illinois. We'll see how long those arms are. Troy Fatutanu from Washington. That might be part of the reason why he translates better to guard. Uh, arm length certainly a critical factor. Uh, quarterbacks Morgan. too. Yep. yep, Jordan Morgan, another guy as well. So yes, we'll be watching very closely as uh, the various people in charge of measuring things like arm length break out the tape measures and go from there. By the way, I Michigan, Michigan field record eighteen players at the combine. That's a record. Mel, okay. and you know the amazing part is only one of them. Michigan might be an inferior team next year. It would hard to be any superior because of course they were fifteen and zero and Washington won the national championship. They might have three top 15 picks next year. Colson Loveland, uh, who am I forgetting? Will Johnson uh, and Mason Graham. And yet they might only have one first round. Grant's a pretty good player, too, with with Graham on the defensive line. Grant's, you're right. They're going to have just JJ. And then, but LSU had what, 16 in 2020. Michigan has 18 this year. Georgia had 15 players drafted in 2022, right? How many? Yep, yeah. We're talking about Michigan. A lot of guys on day three. A lot of day yep. three prospects for Michigan. No question about that. But a lot I mean, of Chargers. What's that? Hey, I was thinking about that. I'll, I was even talking to someone. How, what's the over? If over under on Chargers, three and a half. Michigan players are drafted. Are drafted now. Yep. Chargers yep. have eight picks, right? They have their seven. Yep. I think they have a comp pick, compensatory pick, yep. and a seventh. If I asked you, field right now. You ready for it, Mel? Number of of four, of Michigan Wolverines that are drafted yeah. by the LA Chargers and Jim Harbaugh this year. Three and a half. You ready for it? That's your number. Top of this. Yep. Three and a half. Junior Colson or Chris Jenkins in round two. Mikey Sandra still in round three. Blake Corum. Blake Corum in three or four. We've got, I think, Jalen Harrell. In fifth, sixth round. Right. Uh, I actually saw him and Jim Harbaugh catching up this morning. So, uh, you know, I already had that one in my mind. And then if they can take ownership 
of A.J. Barner, who played there for just one season right. after playing at Indiana. Right. A.J. Barner in round six. How does that one feel right there? Yeah, even Barrett, you know, late. the linebacker. Yeah, Michael Barrett. You know, like I love McGregor, myself for Michael Barrett. McGregor, yep. I mean, all these O-linemen. I mean, there's no question that this is a team that – and I was talking about yeah, – Trent A. Jones in round yeah. six or seven, you, you right? Think, so you think four is a possibility, that four of their, of their eight picks are, are Michigan Wolverines. Would not surprise me one I, I would put the now. over under a two and a half. Okay, I got it at three. So I'll take the over then. Write that one down. February 29th, okay. final day of February. The only time we have this day for four years, over two and a half. Wolverines drafted by the Chargers this year. The pipeline is strong. All right, that's all all we have for today's first draft. We are back on Monday to recap the combine. Guys are going to be very, very fast over these next few days. Hopefully all of them are. Hopefully we're not having too many negative conversations, Mel. But that is part of the job. He's the great Mel Kuyper Jr. Mock 2.0 is available now on ESPN.com. Go check it out. We'll talk to you guys all again on Monday.